This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team this is busting loose baseball with grant and danny interviews analytics and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital our guy barry spalugi got to check out the column he wrote today on the washington nationals on just how brutal it has been to be a fan of this ball club over the last few years post World Series. And Barry, I want to get to your column, and we will do that. But a couple things to tend to first. Number one, this update today that it sounds like the Angels are going to be sold in the next month plus. It's imminent. And the Nationals, there's still no timeline. What gives there? Well, I mean, I think that the Nationals are, to my knowledge at least, narrowed in on, on one suitor. And that's, you know, someone who we all no one are familiar with in, in Ted Leonsis and whatever group he's assembled. I thought there was significant um, news on that front within the last couple of weeks in which he brought a new billionaire investor um, by the name of Jeff Skoll into his monumental group. I do not know, but I have to assume that that will help in his financial bid to, to buy the nationals. But I mean, I do not want to go over the minutia of what holds this up because we do it all the time, but this is a more complicated sale because of the mass and issue. Um, I was told this week that maybe there's a possibility that the sale could go through without mass and being resolved. That's to say that, that Ted Leonsis would buy the team and not have his um, own media rights yet, uh, that he would try to work on that with either the Angelos's or if the Angelos's sell the Orioles, whoever, whoever buys them. But it's simply a more complicated process because because of that. I also think that um, it's possible, I don't know who's buying the Angels, but um, it, it's possible that that market is attractive to Far East investors because it's so much closer. I mean, that's why Shohei Tani is playing in, in Anaheim because it was easier for him to get back home to Japan. There, there could be that kind of factor there too. 
So Barry, I, w- I was talking to a, a good friend of mine who has dealt in, in his business with the learners in their business, not in baseball stuff, but in terms of their commercial real estate and development stuff. And and his point was they're amazing and excellent at winning. They win negotiations. They do things their way. It's on their timetable. So even if you've got to hurry up, they're they're all the time they're negotiating, and you know they know that they've got time on their side or whatever advantage they have to press, they press it. And he goes, that's what it looks like to me from the outside looking in, and, and I want your thoughts on that. My sense is they're not getting the number they want, whether it's the Masson deal or something else, and they're just not going to ever drop the offer or, or the asking price by fifteen, twenty thousand dollars like the rest of us would have to do if we were selling our house or whatever. You know, it just it seems like they are in no hurry and it's their own timetable or none at all. That's absolutely right, Danny. And I think it's on a lot of aspects of this. Um, and I'll, I'll use the naming rights for the stadium for the ballpark as, as an example. Um, what is this ballpark called? A ballpark that opened in 2008 and is now 14 years old. It is Nationals Park. Why is it Nationals Park? Because the Lerner family decided that in order to sell naming rights, um, those naming rights were going to be worth X. They preferred taking zero overtaking X minus Y. They did not want to take something that was less than their terms. You can call them crazy on that because you would think that if you had had naming rights for the stadium, some sort of revenue stream that does not exist right now, they would have pick a number of millions of dollars more than they have at the moment. But this is the way that, that they operate. So apply that to the sale of the team. If they have a number in mind, I don't know that they have a number in mind, but if they do, and that is, say, pull something from thin air, $2 billion, um, and they are being offered $1.9, they'll say, that is a really interesting offer. How about two? Two would be better than 1.9. You know what would be better than uh, 1.95? Two. How's two for you? So <laughs> that, that it just is, it applies to the way that they operate, and it does leave that wiggle room for Maybe they just say, you know what? We said from the beginning we were going to explore a sale. We find ourselves revitalized and reinvigorated, and we're going to keep it, and here's what we're going to do going forward. I don't think that's what's going to happen going forward, but there's a non-zero chance of that for sure. Draft lotteries tonight. This could be a nice little shot in the arm, and we're going to get to your column in a second, but it has been a really tough walk through the desert here fans of this team for the last few years, this could be finding a, a, a water pail. It would be awesome if they got the first pick. I, I've been tweeting about this today. I, I really hate this lottery for the record. Um, I, I don't know how you feel about it. I, I don't have a problem with rebuilding like everyone else did. They call it tanking. A lot of teams do it, and it works, and you should be able to build how you want to, but I digress. The Nats, if they get the fifth pick tonight, can't pick in the top six next year. So this could also be kind of a disastrous night in some ways as well. But uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, my thoughts are, like, this is a terrible year for it to be implemented for the Nats because, you know, the last two times they had 1-1, they took Steven Strasburg and Bryce Harper, and that worked out to be the foundation of of their rebuild for sure. Um, So I agree with you that uh, it's kind of silly that they have, you know, they lost 107 games um, and – they only have a, whatever it is, 17% chance of, of getting um, the top pick in the draft. That's kind, of, that's kind of silly. But I don't want to get into the whole tanking um, thing because I think there's a more important element at play here. 
<clears throat> the year after they took Harper, um, they had the sixth pick in the draft. They took Anthony Rendon, uh, which worked out swimmingly for them. Um, they milked him for, you know, until the seventh game of the 2019 World Series, in which he hit an enormous home run um, yeah, off off of uh, Frank So <clears throat> since then, and now it's more than a decade, they have not drafted and developed players and, and player development can point at the scouts and the scouts can point at player development. And I'm not a hundred percent sure who's to blame. They don't have hits. They just don't have hits. You watch the Braves and they've got, you know, Spencer Strider in the fourth round and Michael Harris in the third round. Um, and, and players that are cheap, controllable foundational pieces of a contender that, um, that they can fill in with expensive stuff around them. The Nationals, now for going on a decade, have not done that. Um, maybe there's bad luck involved. You know, they did use Lucas Giolito in a, in a trade to get Adam Eaton, who was the right fielder on a, a championship team. So there's little uh, caveats along the way. But by and large, this has been a player development and, and drafting failure for a long time, which it is. The problem with that is Mike Rizzo is asking you to buy into we've done this before, and that is 1,000% true. They have done it before. There's a decade-long space there that would give a reasonable person pause to say, can, can you really just do it again automatically because you're saying to? You're going to? I, I'm, it's going to be really fascinating going forward. Bears for Luga, Washington Post with us here on Grant and Danny. So, Bear, the other key crux of your column is watching these stars leave, get paid a billion dollars elsewhere. You know, some you know traded, whether it was Scherzer and and Turner, others you know let walk away. And I think the best, most salient point you made, and I would love for you to expound on this. And I think it's right on. Is each individual decision can absolutely be justified, explained, and you know isn't a disaster in and of itself. The totality of it is really tough to stomach, especially given the backdrop of the point that you just made about the, the, the reinforcements not being on the way for the minor leagues. Yeah, Danny, and I think it's like, you know, it's kind of weird to write a like, wow, Trey Turner uh, signed with the Phillies column, and that's terrible for the Nationals on a day when, like, I didn't wake up. I knew when I woke up this morning that Trey Turner was not signing with the Nationals. Like, that's not where they are in their development. It doesn't make sense for them. They have a piece that they think is part of their core going forward in C.J. Abrams, part of the Soto deal. But there is, it's at some point, you're bludgeoned with this stuff. Um, and if it goes back to Harper and all the deferrals and were they wishy-washy in those negotiations with a guy who really wanted to stay, and do you understand that Rendon never seemed to fully buy into the whole scene here and um, – and that Soto was probably going to go to free agency and that Scherzer and Turner as a package in a season that had gone awry and Strasburg couldn't pitch. Like you break all those down and I understand them all. I totally understand them all in totality. It's an organizational failure to make the fan base feel like, you know, as Mike Rizzo said, like, wow. I mean, I think what this says is we've had a lot of talent come through here. You've had it come through here. It has not anchored here. Um, you can fault the current construction of the Washington Capitals and say it's too old a core and, you know, Ovi Backstrom can't play and Ovi is obviously in the twilight of his career. But there is some sense of warm feeling that, like, they won a cup, they did it together, they suffered the disappointments, the fan base went through it with 
eight and 19 and then later, you know, Oshi and Kuznet, the whole group and their capitals, you, you identify with them. This now feels like a revolving door where what's the, what's the guarantee that if CJ Abrams is the next guy, if Mackenzie Gore is the next guy in the rotation, if Cade Cavalli breaks out and, and um, becomes a star that he's not just watching his clock tick for six years of service time to get to free agency and go somewhere else that it's really hard to stomach when you look at the big picture. You couldn't have kept all of these guys. Of course you couldn't. You can't afford to do that. you got to believe you could have kept a couple of them. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, it just hits so much for me home when he signed that contract yesterday, Barry, for a lot of reasons. But this is one of those kind of you-got-to-know-to-know things, right? If you don't get it, you don't get it kind of deals. Where, like, you live in D.C., you go to the park a lot. It's not a fun place to be anymore right now. I mean, I went to probably 40 games and maybe 30 some games last year just because we're here. We're, you know, a couple blocks away and I get off when the game starts. And so I went to a million games and after the trade deadline, it was not fun. I mean, people don't have fun at the game. And you think back to 19 and the wild card, the NLCS and the World Series games. And you just think about the difference between 19 and now. Soto in San Diego, and then Scherzer with the Mets. Obviously, Bryce was already gone, but him with the Phillies, with Schwarber, who's since been here and gave him their one huge month a year ago. Uh, Josh Bell getting the Guardians contract, who people fell in love with. It was great at the Nats Academy. And, and, and Trey Turner, and, and you go through the whole thing. Rendon, what's happened with Strasburg? What's happened with Patrick Corbin? Like, I, I don't think there's been anything quite like this. I mean, it is almost a, a 1,000 batting average on disasters essentially, since the World Series. Am I overstating yeah. this? I mean, it is, it's really bleak. No, you're not. And, 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 you know, filter down further, like, you know, Carter Keboom didn't work out. He's, he's broken. Cole Henry is supposed to be um, part of that future. And that's why it's, I think the, the cavalierly saying, we've done this before, we can do it again, and pinning it around. There are, as you know, Grant, you've also been to Fredericksburg. You've seen... Woods and some of these guys that you're like, oh wow, I could see how that would work out. Um, it, it it doesn't guarantee anything. I do think, and I have pitched this before, um, that there, when and if these guys get to the big leagues, and you can start to discover, hey, Ian Desmond is my shortstop of the future. Oh, I'm sorry, it's C.J. Abrams is my shortstop. Of the future. I like watching him get better at X, Y, and Z, and oh, Mackenzie Gore is starting tonight. I, I want to see him pitch into the seventh inning tonight. He hasn't done that, even though he struck out 10 and only walked one in five and two-thirds the, the last time. Like, there, there can be joy in discovering and then riding along with, with that group and then having it because they will be young, controllable, cheap players filled in with, you know, what, whoever the Jason Worth contract is or the next Scherzer contract is. Like, that's a possibility, but it's a hard sell on the day after 
Trey Turner, who was beloved here, who didn't want to be traded away, who was probably Mike Rizzo's best transaction ever in a, in a decade-long stretch when he had a lot of really good transactions, like that trade is ridiculous. You get Joe Ross and, and Trey Turner for, for Steven Souza Jr. Um, it's hard to sell that vision in the moment, even if you believe in that vision. And, and I'm just saying believing in that vision is, is harder because it's not pinned on a group of 30 players, 30 really solid players that you feel like if eight of these guys become our core, um, then that's going to be great. It's, it's really a tighter group than that, less than 10, um, that has to have a very high percentage of hits to mean that the, 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 new, the next core is already in the system. Very terrific as always, buddy. Great column, and, and thanks for the time today. Appreciate you guys always. Thanks, thanks Barry. That'll do it for Bustin' Loose Baseball when big news breaks relevant to the Nats. We will break it down for you right here on Bustin' Loose Baseball. For Danny, I'm Grant saying so long. Thanks to producer Darius. We're back at it soon. Maybe the Nats will do something. That'd be cool. we got to do an emergency pod on Stone Garrett. That's who they signed. That's the... Anyway, rate, review, subscribe.